guys ready for a great day? Come on, come on, come on, church. Come on. Don't leave me up here by myself. Hey, I am fired up about today. Thrilled that you are here. We are one church, four locations. We got White Rock, Antigua, North Dallas, and Bishop Arts Oak Cliff as well. We're all together today. Let's give a huge round of applause. Every family member, every house, every room. I am just excited, excited about what God has in store for all of us. If you're with us for the first time today, I do hope that you're feeling at home and you're with some people that care about you. We do, okay? We love you already. The smiles are real, okay? They are not fake. They are real. We just are thrilled that you are here and trusting that God's going to do something ridiculously awesome, over-the-top, unexpected in your heart and your life today, okay? So we're going to open up God's Word together. We're going to read the Bible, and we're going to pray that it comes to life. It's not dead, old words. They actually are alive and active today. God is wanting to do something in and through each of us. We started a series last week called This Is Why. And we looked at the Valley of Dry Bones. Those of you who were with us last week, you will remember this. And as we looked through that Valley of Dry Bones and our position in that valley and who represents what, and I pray again, your heart was encouraged. We're going to continue with that This Is Why series again today. And if you've ever asked yourself the question, what's my purpose? Why am I on this planet? What does God want me to do? Why do I even exist. If you've ever asked yourself that question, today you're going to leave with a little bit more clarity, okay? Today you're going to leave with hopefully some light bulbs that'll go off in your head and in your heart, and you can walk with even more purpose in your life. Matter of fact, the title of today's message is, My Purpose is Tied to a Donkey. I liked it. Now, I was unsure about it, though, so I asked my son, I asked my 14-year-old, I was like, Parker, what do you think about this? My purpose is tied to a donkey. He goes, I like it, Dad. I like it. So we're going with it. My 14-year-old likes it. We're going with it. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1. We're going to go all the way to verse number 10. If you didn't bring your Bible with you, we'll put the Scripture on the screen. Uh, balcony, if it's a little too dark up there for you, my apologies. Uh, trying to get the mood right, I guess, up there uh, for you all. No, it's just you can take notes, maybe a little bit lighter uh, in the balcony so they can follow along with us. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 10, it says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. And tie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, hey, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, Jesus, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread Uh, branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. 
I'm going to go really, really high level here initially, okay, very high level, and then we're going to walk through this passage of Scripture and kind of almost unwrap every verse or a bunch of the verses as much as we have time for today. So very, very high level, I want to give you your mission. I want to give you, once you have said you are a follower of Jesus Christ, once you have said I have put my hope and my trust in Jesus. Once you would call yourself a Christian or say you've surrendered your life to Jesus, however you want to frame that, once you have said Jesus is your everything, I'm going to paint the picture of what your purpose, your mission now is. It is to find the cult, to untie the cult, to speak up for the cult, and then to bring that cult to Jesus. It is, it is to find the cult, to untie the cult, to speak up for the cult, and then to bring that cult to Jesus. Let me see if I can make it even more plain. If, if uh, you're a mom, and what's your purpose with your kids? You got to find your kids, <laughs> untie your kids, speak up for your kids, and bring your kids to Jesus. If you are a business leader, let me tell you what your purpose is with your team. You've got to find your team. You've got to speak up for your team. You've got to untie your team, and you have to bring your team to Jesus. And you can insert whatever title you want to insert. You can insert whatever job description you want to insert. You can insert whatever occupation you want to insert in there, whether it's artist, philanthropist, whether it is entrepreneur, whether, whether it is dad or it is student. But your purpose, your mission is to find the cult, untie the cult, speak up for the cult, and bring said cult to Jesus. That is why you are on the planet. This is why you and I exist. So now let's, let's unwrap this, okay? Let's, let's dig into this passage of Scripture. So at the very beginning, uh, verse number one, we find out the cities and the towns uh, that they are near, and then the Bible tells us Jesus tells two of his disciples to go and find this colt. Two disciples. What we do not get are the names of these disciples. We don't know which ones he picked. We don't know which ones Jesus has chosen for this task. We don't know if it was Bartholomew, which, by the way, is a terrible name. Uh, it's in the same vicinity as Earl, so I apologize. I know our parents loved us, but they gave us terrible names. <laughs> I don't know if it's Bartholomew. I don't know if it's Andrew. I don't know who it is that Jesus chooses, but I know he chooses two. But we don't get the names of these disciples. These two individuals are, are given this task where they are about to be a part of Palm Sunday, if you will. They are about to be a part of the moment where Jesus is about to ride into the city on top of this colt. And they get to be the ones that pick out the colt, but we have no idea what their name is. And I want you to know that if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you and I have to be way more about his mission than we are about our popularity. We've got to be way more about just obeying what he calls us to do rather than you and I trying to get our name on some packaging. You and I have to be way more passionate about his name, his cause, his glory, his purpose than we are about people following us, clicking us, liking us, and doing all of those other things. You and I are about him and not about ourselves. Now, this is contradictory to the day and age in which we live. We like credit for everything. 
I've been married for 22 years, okay? Oh, going on 22 years. And my wife is still my best friend. I love her so, so much. She still loves me. Things are still working. Th- th- my wife just shouted, I love you. Unless there was some other woman out there, that we got a problem. <laughs> nope, that's my wife. Yep, I see her. So we're, here we are, 22 years married. I, I, I'm going to give you a little, you know, look-see into our marriage. When I, you know, we, we share all, like, the home responsibilities. So it's not like, hey, woman, get in there, give me some food. No, we, I would be dead, okay? I'd be dead. That's not how it flows in our household. So, you know, I, I mean, I actually, most of our marriage, really much all of our marriage, I don't know I'm thinking about it, I've cleaned the bathrooms, you know, all of our marriage. So I'm, I'm the toilet scrubber and wiping everything down. You come to our house, I can clean the bathroom. I'm, my mom raised me, taught me how to do that. Uh, if there's a dish in the sink, guess what I do? I take it out of that sink. I put it in the dishwasher. But when I do it, I like her to like her to say good job. I like her to say, Earl, look at you. I saw those plates in the sink and no one even said a word. You walked over there, grabbed those plates, and you put those little plates in the dishwasher. I, I appreciate that, okay? It gives me worth and value. <laughs> it's terrible, okay? It's a dark side of who I am. But this doesn't work all that well in our walk with God. Look at you. You went to church on Sunday. You, 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 no, no, no. Look at you. You gave some money in the bucket. You my little. No, 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 no. If you and I want to be followers of Jesus that are actually going to make a difference in our world, we're not trying to find our name in life. We're not trying to get pats on the back. We're just trying to go where he calls us to go and do what he calls us to do, regardless of the applause. Regardless of whether or not people like us or are for us or people know our names, here is the truth. A whole lot of people can like your, know your name, and that does not mean you're great. Okay? Don't confuse notoriety with significance. Those are not the same thing. People can celebrate you and know your name and you not be making a difference in their lives at all. Jesus This is a quick aside. He actually did not tell his disciples, I don't want you to be great. He never said that to them. He says, if you want to be great, let me tell you how you get there. You become a servant. He didn't say, let me tell you how to become famous. He said, let me teach you how to be great. That's why everyone can be great. Because everyone can serve. I believe Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said that as well. This is what you and I have been called to, not trying to get our name out there. We're just content being picked. We're just content that Jesus would see fit to put his hand on our lives. We're just content to to say thank you that you pulled me out of the pit I was in, put me on a whole new foundation, put my life back together, put me on a whole new path, and because your grace is so amazing, I will give my entire life over to you. That is the type of Christianity and call that I want to have on this house. So here, two unnamed disciples, and then the Bible tells us, Jesus says, go to a village. There'll be a colt tied there. When you enter the village, there'll be a colt tied there. No one's ever ridden it. 
I want you to untie that thing, bring it back here. I was reading this, and I was feeling like this is not a lot of specifics, at least not enough for me. Okay, just go to the town. And you didn't tell them I was coming. And I'm supposed to find this colt. And where is the colt? You said, well, as I enter the city, you mean like two steps as I come into the city or like 100 yards into the city? And what do you mean it's tied? Well, who tied it? And what do you mean it's never been ridden? What do you mean never? Do you mean like never as in never, never, or never like it's never been ridden for work? Like what do you mean by never? And then how am I supposed to find out it's never been ridden? Who am I supposed to ask that? I can't ask the colt. Colt, have you ever been ridden? It just is not a lot of specifics. There's enough, but not all. And I like that the, the disciples go anyway. I like that they don't have all the details, every specific, but they're willing to take a step and just go the direction that Jesus sent them. I like that they're willing to go, okay, he pointed me that way. I'll do it. Do you know where we're going? Not totally. He said to this town, okay, well, do you know what the cult looks like? No, I don't know what the cult looks like. Do you know how old it is? I don't know exactly how old it is but they just keep walking anyway. You and I have to be willing to walk even when we don't understand. We have to be willing to walk even when it doesn't make a lot of sense. You have to be willing to be uncomfortable if you want to be a follower of Jesus. If you want a Savior that lays out everything for you nice and neat and cozy and easy and you never have to trust him, you are following the wrong Savior because Jesus said, whoever takes up their cross can follow me. But if you don't want to take up a cross, you just want to take up a cot, or you want to take up a napkin, or you want to take up a bed, then I'm sorry, you're you're following the wrong Savior. But if you're willing to go to places you maybe never thought you would go and do things maybe you never thought you would do because you got a Savior that did for you what you could never do for yourself, then you and I are willing to say, Jesus, I'll go where you're calling me to go, even when I don't understand. You know when you have your, uh, when you get directions. Uh, to, you're going to a new place, never been there before, and they give you the address. So what we all do now is we don't get directions from our friends. We get them from our app, right? You put them in your phone. And whether it's Siri or it's Google or it's the Waze app, you type it in, and then you're so thankful for that wonderful British voice, and you put it in, and you start driving. And she says, you know, up ahead, turn left. You're like, okay, great. And you're like, okay, which left? Which left? Okay, is this, is, okay, two streets, okay. And you, and you turn left, and you take that turn. Then she says, turn right. You know those times when you make the turn and you keep going straight and it's silent? I grab my phone so quick just to make... You still talking to me? You, 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 you still here? Am I going the right way? And then I turn my phone the wrong direction, so now the arrow starts spinning around. But, but when she doesn't talk to us for even three seconds, you and I feel lost. This is with step-by-step instructions. It can't get any clearer than it is. And you and I are still confused. Do we think 
that with God, even if we had step-by-step instructions, it would give us more confidence? I think not, my friends. I think we're using this whole idea of having step-by-step instructions as a crutch to not take steps of faith and to do what God is calling us to do. I actually think we are using it as an excuse to not be who he's called us to be and go where he's called us to go. I think we're saying, God, if you make it really, really clear to me, like, Lord, tell me, what am I supposed to wear today? I wish an angel of the Lord would appear to me and say, hey, here are the clothes you're supposed to wear today. You're supposed to wear clothes that actually cover your ankles. Because my wife keeps putting clothes out on the bed that don't cover my ankles. These are not high waters. These are supposed to be like this. These are not my 14-year-old's pants. These are my pants. I'm like, honey, are you, you, you sure? I mean, I, I can cover them. Like, no, 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 no. Sh- sh- show them, Earl. Show them. Show. It's in style. I'm like, well, you know how much lotion I need to put on these ankles to make sure? I can't get up there. I can't get up here and be ashy. So I, I wish there was an angel that would just say to me, hey, here. This is what you're supposed to do every moment of every day. But if I had an angel doing that, I'd go, well, give me one more. One more angel. And make sure the next angel says the same thing that the last angel said. Then is there any deviation at all? I'm not going to move. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait on the Lord. No, no, my friends. We are being paralyzed too often. Many times God is like, go and go that way. And just go. Love. What do you mean by love? Love your enemies. What do you mean by enemies? Love your enemies. By this, John chapter 13, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples, not that you go to church. By this, all men will know you're my disciples, not that you have a Bible. By this, all men will know that you're my, my, my followers, not that you went to Bible college. By this, all men will know that you're my disciple, that you have love for one another. That's how the world will know that you are my disciples. And Jesus here is saying, just go that way and do that. Give me the specifics. I'm not giving you every specific. Go that way. So the disciples, they're willing. They get there to the town. When they get there, They find um, this colt, and the colt is tied at the doorway, okay? Doorway. I I underline that word in my Bible, doorway. Because when I was reading this passage of Scripture and going over it this past week, that word jumped off the page at me, doorway. It reminded me, or it spoke to me of a place of transition, a place where someone goes from one space into another space. It reminded me of someone going from lost to found. It reminded me of someone going from thinking like a slave to thinking like a son or a daughter of God. It reminded me of a person uh, going from even, even from single to married. Or from no kids to kids. Or from working for other people to now you're working for yourself. It's, just, it's a doorway. It's a pathway. You're going into another season, another space. But here is this colt, and it's tied at this doorway. 
it's like it's stuck at the point of transition. It's stuck at this point. It's tied there. It has been brought to the doorway, but it can't get through the doorway. It needs, this cult needs some disciples that are willing to leave their comfort zone and be a little bit confused and be okay not having their name in lights to find this cult that other people are walking past and to find that cult that is tied up and grab that cult, untie it, and get it through that place of transition. I almost called this message biting at the rope because I saw the cult trying to get free in this place of transition, but it could not free itself. So it was like biting at the rope. It was trying to get free. I submit to you that friends that we have that sleep around a whole bunch, they might not just be bad people. It might be them biting at the rope. It might be them trying to get free. It might be them trying to untie themselves from some things that have held them for a long time. I submit to you that friends that we have that are workaholics might not be all about their career, but they might be trying to untie themselves because their soul is tied up and they're not quite sure how to get to the next place. They know there's something more in life. They know there's something more that's supposed to do. They know there's more joy and more hope and more peace but they're not quite sure how to get there the only way they know how to get there is to run themselves into the ground and push all their relationships aside maybe maybe that person who's wrapped in pornography it's not just about the porn maybe they're trying to figure out a way to untie themselves but you can't untie yourself what you and i need is a savior that is willing to untie us and some followers of that savior that are willing To go to you so you can stop biting at that rope. I'm not here to shame you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to see you free. The Savior has need of you. So the disciples are like, okay, I guess guess this is is the cult. They They start untying it. It can't untie itself. Start untying it, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, somebody else speaks up. I don't know if these were the owners of the cult. I don't know if these were friends of the owners. I don't know. What I do know is they tried to stop the disciples from doing what the disciples were called to do. Whenever you're going to fulfill the purpose and the mission of God on your life, You must expect opposition. You must expect that there will be people that will not be happy that you're untying what they are okay with being bound. You have to expect that there are some people that do not want that cult to be free. There are some people that want that cult battling that alcoholism. There are some people that want that cult battling that addiction. There are some people that want their that cult going from bed to bed to bed to bed to bed. There are some people that want their cult chasing after the American dream because they have that thing tied exactly where they want it. But once Jesus sets that cult free, Jesus has a plan for that cult where he's going to put his life on top of that cult and then ride that cult into the mission that Jesus had in this earth. I'm telling you there's something bigger going on here. So these disciples they go up to this cult 
start, start untying it. It reminded me of, I, I, think, I think I have this verse, John uh, chapter 11, I think it's verses 43 and, and 44. You can write it down and look at it later. It's a story of Lazarus that actually takes place in the similar vicinity as a passage of scripture that we're looking at in Mark chapter 11. In the story of Lazarus, this dead man is in the grave, and Jesus speaks out Lazarus' name. It says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes out of the grave. When Lazarus comes out of the grave, he has his grave clothes still on him. And the Bible says, Jesus said to them, loose that man. Free him. Untie his grave clothes. Jesus did not say it to Lazarus, free yourself. He turned to the ones who were free. He said to them, go over to him. Touch his grave clothes. Come on, be willing to get dirty. Be willing to go to a a space where you might not be all that comfortable. Be willing to step outside your comfort zone and untie This man, Lazarus, it's the same image that we have here with these disciples. So now these disciples are willing to take this step. They're there. They untie this colt. Now there's some opposition. There's someone saying, nope, nope, you can't do it. Keep them bound. Keep them chained. Keep them like this. There are whole systems set up in our communities around keeping people chained. There's economies set around keeping people chained. You know, our world does not want everyone to be free. People are making a living off of people being bound. So when you and I begin to announce freedom to every son and daughter, every single cult, when you, this is the reason some of us are at jobs we don't like right now, okay? You actually were sent there on assignment, you weren't even sent there for you. You were sent there because there's a cult. There's a coworker tied at the doorway. There's a cult. There's a coworker tied at a place of transition, and they can't get over the hump. And Jesus knew that he could trust you in a place where you would hate. Oh, these people are idiots all around me. They're all idiots, but I'm here for a cult. Lord, show me, show me the cult. The, the sooner you find the cult, the sooner you can get a promotion. open our eyes. Jesus, where, 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 where are you taking us? So now this opposition. There's many times, many times. Uh, let me, go, go with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 real quick. Ephesians chapter 6. Oh, if I can turn there. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse. Uh, uh. I'm in Philippians now. No, go back, Earl. Ephesians chapter 6. Why are my pages sticking together? Okay, Ephesians chapter 6. Verse number 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you're able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, stand. Sometimes the opposition, the spiritual opposition, it shows itself as relational discomfort, meaning you don't recognize that there's some evil on the other side of the broken relationship. You think it's the person, but we find out here in Ephesians chapter 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. 
The person is not ultimately your problem. It's that principality or power that might be your problem. But the good news is we have the full armor of God on and the blood of Jesus Christ that watches over us and the call of Jesus Christ to do what he's called us to do. So what do these disciples do when they face opposition? What do they do when these people say, stop, keep them bound? What are you doing? They do not share their own words. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 11 that they said what Jesus told them to say. They used Jesus' words in a situation of opposition, not just their own. Whenever you and I are in a spot and we're not sure, man, which way to go, this is why us understanding this book and having these words in our heart and our life matter because it paints a picture for us of what Jesus wants us to say in any given situation. Because you and I both know what we want to say in situations sometimes is not Jesus-centered at all. When you're in a battle with someone, you're not thinking, what scripture can I share with this individual? You're thinking, how can I cuss this fool out right now and I'll pray for them later? And if you don't think that at all, you're just really saved. And God bless you and congratulations. But some of us in here still got a little bit of ghetto in us. And we're like, if you I say that to my face, one more time. <laughs> you have this, these words that want to come out that aren't Christ's words. When your spouse is coming at you, there's some words that want to come out that aren't Christ's words. When your roommate is bothering you, there's some words that want to come out that aren't Christ's words. But understand, you and I are called not to represent ourselves. We're called to represent Jesus. I'm trying to take us out of this humanistic Christianity because that's not Christianity at all. And trying to elevate us to a Christianity that is focused on Jesus because that's where, it's really, where our focus really is supposed to be. And when we can have that type of focus, man, I think we'll see more people being untied than we ever thought possible. So there's all this opposition. But they speak Christ's words. This cult is set free. They take this cult. They bring this cult to Jesus. But that's not the end of the story for the cult. The cult then gets to have Jesus sit on its life. And then Jesus rides this cult into the city where he is about to fulfill his purpose of being crucified on an old rugged cross, taking your sins and mine upon himself. One day he's going to rise from the grave, but first he's got to go through this cross, and this cult gets to be a part of this whole moment. There are people that are tied up right now that you would think, I'll, I'll say this, there are people that are listening to me right now, and there was a day you, would ne- you could have never seen yourself being the person to untie someone. You always saw yourself as the one who was tied. I'm constantly shocked when I see stories or whether it's on Instagram and people are like, hey, we used to do shots together, but now we're slinging for Jesus. You know, I'm like, okay, wow, wow, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. 
I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. Just putting your business out there. But I keep on seeing our church is filled. Not with people that have been perfect their whole life. And I pray, listen, I'm praying over my kids that they don't ever go crazy. Okay, I'm praying that. I'm praying. You don't have to go. You don't have to, I'm going get to my, get my testimony. You don't have to get your testimony like that, okay? Got your testimony that you were lost when you were born, okay? And then you're found and you love Jesus for the rest of your life. There's your testimony. That's the best testimony you can have. But some of us, we kind of went another path. You've been set free. Now is Jesus is calling you to go back and find those colts who are just like you and see them set free as well. Hey, in the seat back pocket in, in, uh, in front of you uh, or on the floor, uh, there should be these little green cards. There should be these little green cards. And uh, these, these green cards have on one side John chapter 3, verse 16. This is why we even got the series name for this series. This is why. About God loving the world. And this is why we are the church. And this is why we say planted in church. And this is why we are family and community. But on the other side, it says, this is who. This is who. And I literally want you to write down, right now, literally, right now, who is the who? Who is the cult that is in your family, at your job, What person do you go to school with? What friend do you have that is tied right now? And you want to see them free. I want you to know that God's love for them is even greater than your love. That he actually cares about their soul more than you even care about their soul. As a matter of fact, you even caring about them is the indicator that God is so for them. He actually put his love in your heart for that person. You don't have to convince God to go after them. He already put them on your heart because he's going after them. Who's the who? You can take two cards, and you can take one and keep it yourself. And I want you to pray over this name this week, or names. The other one I want you to take and I want you to drop it in the little white containers as they go by in a little while. Because what we're going to do as a staff and as a team is pray for those names as well. And you and I together, the team and I together, we're all going to partner to see these cults, these friends, these family members come untied. We're going to even see, we're, we're believing that all of them show up at Easter. And if they don't live in this town, that whatever town they live in, they're going to go to an Easter service and they're going to meet the glorious Savior and they're going to give their hearts and their lives to Christ and they're going to be changed and transformed forever and Jesus is going to put his life on top of their life and Jesus is going to be riding them all the way into the city and people will be declaring the goodness and the praise of Jesus Christ as this person carries the Savior of the world to every part of their community. So take out a moment, just write it down. Write down their name. Write down their name. As you're writing down uh, these names, I just want to, I want to pray over them and over all of us uh, in this room. Jesus, I thank you for these cards and what they represent. The who's. Ones that you love and care about more than we ever could. Who are asking that you would untie marriages, untie single people, 
untie those that look incredibly successful on the outside but are bound on the inside. Those that are struggling with drug addiction or alcoholism or workaholics or they're passionate about their own fantasies and own life. Father, we pray that you would grab a hold of hearts and you would set men and women free. You're able to do it. Use us for your glory. I'm going to ask you to keep your head bowed just for a moment. If you're under the sound of my voice today, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You've never made him first. You've never made him number one. If you're honest with yourself right now, you would say you're in the driver's seat of your life. Christ is not. And you're hearing my voice today, but more importantly, you're hearing God's voice, and it's knocking on the door of your heart saying, son, daughter, it's time to come home. If that's you here, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ, or at one point in time you did, and you remember when you did, but you slipped away. You've gone another direction. You're saying you don't want to go your own way anymore. You want to go his way. I'm going to ask you to do something simple, but something incredibly bold. On the count of three, I literally want you to shoot your hand in the air and say, yes, that is me. Ready? One, two, three. Just shoot your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to make him first in my life. We have hands going up all over this place. It's miracles taking place right in our room right now. Come on, friends. Who else wants to get in? on this prayer. You're saying, I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. I don't want to be first in my life. I want him to be first. I want to surrender my life to serving Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart right now, if you would not mind. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's lift our heads up and clap our hands with enthusiasm. Come on, church.